Grace, mercy, and peace are yours in Christ Jesus. Amen. What do you think of the word good? I have to say that sometimes I have a little problem with it. And let me be the first to admit that I'm guilty of this too. But there are just so many better words that we could use to describe something. When someone asks you, how was your day? Good. <laughs> How's your meal that I made for you that I slaved hours and hours to make you? Yeah, it was good. How are you feeling? Good. They're just boring <laughs> and vague answers. The word good has lost some, some gusto in our English language. Because in Hebrew and in Greek, the word good carries with it a much weightier meaning. But in English, we use it to say it's just a little bit better than mediocre, but not quite on the level of excellent or great. And so we run into some, some issues when God created the world and he said that it was good, was he saying, it's just a little bit better than mediocre, but it's not excellent, it's not great? No, <laughs> of course not. When God said that his creation was good, he meant to say that it was perfect, that it was blameless, that nothing better could be created. When God said that it was good, he meant it was perfect quality. Everything was created exactly how God wanted to create it. And it was important to him that that was communicated. So when God said that his creation was good, it wasn't just the biggest understatement of all time. When God uses the word good, it's to reference the perfect quality. And the same is true for our lesson this morning. When Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he means he is the perfect shepherd and the only shepherd for our souls. Because if you take good to mean just a little bit better than mediocre, just above average, we're going to miss everything that Jesus is trying to tell us this morning. So, so let's go to him and use his definition of good and know that when he says good, he means perfect. He means everything we need. Because Jesus, he's not just a good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's in a class all by himself. There is no other shepherd like him. Maybe some of you have some experience with sheep, but I'm willing to bet that most of you don't have that much. As for me, I just have a little bit. I used to show sheep in our county fair and so we had a couple of sheep on our little hobby farm back in Wisconsin. But there's a difference in me calling myself a shepherd and the picture that people would have had when Jesus said that he was the good shepherd. In fact, if a Judean shepherd was standing here right now and he heard my, me call myself a shepherd, he would laugh right in my face. Because shepherds nowadays have it a little different. We have these nice fenced-in areas. So the sheep can't get out and predators can't really 
get in. We have this nice, lush, green grass, plenty of food for the sheep to eat, and a water trough that stays full. The, the character of the shepherd, it doesn't really matter that much nowadays. In fact, when I had sheep, we could leave for four days, and they'd be fine. We wouldn't have to worry about them. My job as a, a shepherd wasn't as important. But for the Judean shepherd, it was altogether different. He had his sheep out in the, in the wilderness, in the desert. There weren't fences. And he had to keep this large group of sheep together so that one wouldn't wander off, so that the predators wouldn't be able to get some of these sheep. Not to mention he was in a desert. It was hard to find food and hard to find water. So because of these conditions, the character of the shepherd and the ability of the shepherd became vital for the sheep's survival. He had to be able to find food. He had to be able to to scout out where there might be water and, and know when his sheep needed food and water. He had to be committed to his sheep and vigilant so that when predators were around, he could he'd chase them away and protect his sheep. The character of the shepherd mattered. So when Jesus is telling the people that he is the good shepherd, they had all of these thoughts of a shepherd in their minds. So let's, let's keep that in mind and let's read our section from John chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking to the people. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. These are Jesus' words. So, what do you call it? When a wolf attacks the flock and one of the sheep dies. We call that a tragedy. The shepherd cares for his sheep. He loves his sheep. He actually, you develop some kind of connection when you're a caregiver, don't you? And he has this connection with his sheep. But they're also his livelihood. He's a shepherd because he needs to make a living. So when one of, his sheep's die, one of his sheep dies, it's a tragedy. So what do you call it when the wolf attacks the flock, but instead the, the shepherd dies? That's a little more than a tragedy. That's a catastrophe. Can you imagine? A shepherd dying for his sheep. This section that we're reading for this morning is very, very pointed. 
And the people who were listening to Jesus would have known right away who Jesus was talking about when he said, the hired hand. For us, we have to go back to John chapter 9 to figure out who he's talking to. And we find that he's talking to the Pharisees. When Jesus talks about the hired hands, he is referencing the Pharisees. You see, for, for many, many years, God had sent these shepherds, these prophets, to come and shepherd the people, to bring them God's word. And then there was this gap of years between the last prophet and the time when Jesus came and these Pharisees just slipped in to this position of being the spiritual leaders of Israel. People cared what the Pharisees thought. They, they cared what they said. Except Jesus says, these guys, they aren't shepherds. They're hired hands. They're not leading people to the living water of Jesus. In fact, they're leading them in the other direction. They're leading them away. And they, they have the chief characteristic that every hired hand has. And that's this. The hired hand values himself over others. And even one step more. The chief characteristic of a hired hand is he values himself even over God. Hired hands are not unique to the time of the Pharisees. They are alive and they're active today and they are pulling on each and every one of you. They're calling to each and every one of you. But the problem is this. They don't wear a sign around their neck that identifies them as hired hands. A lot of times it's disguised and it's subtle. They come in all different forms. A hired hand isn't just even a person. It can be an idea. It can be a worldview. It can be a thing. And the saddest part of all of it is sometimes we listen to these hired hands. Will you follow the voice of the Good Shepherd or will you follow the voice of the hired hand? Will you follow the voice of Jesus as he gives it to us in the Bible? Or will you follow our society's social norms? You know, every society has them. They develop these things that, that everyone does that becomes the normal thing to do. And everybody's doing it. And a lot of times, they're in direct contradiction to what the Bible teaches us. And they can even sound attractive to, to Christians sometimes. So the question is, will you follow the voice of the Good Shepherd, or will you follow the hired hand of, of, of social norms? Or here's, here's another example. Money can be a hired hand. It, it calls to you and offers you respect and power, and security. But money can't care for you. It's impossible. It can't. It's just like the hired hand in that when danger comes, when a wolf comes, it abandons you. You can't be rescued by money. We follow these voices. And maybe that's not even the problem. Maybe the problem isn't necessarily that we follow these voices, but maybe it's that we want to be 
these hired hands. Or we are sometimes. What's the chief characteristic of a hired hand? He values himself over others. He values himself over God. We do that sometimes, don't we? We profess that we believe everything that's written in the, written in the Bible, but when it comes to maybe some of the more difficult teachings of Jesus, we tend to, to value our own thoughts over the things that God has told us are truth in the Bible. Whether it's communion, how we practice communion, whether it's the roles of men and women, whether it's how we, how we manage ourselves as a 21st century dating person. These things are the normal. These thoughts that we have on these things, we can have them over what God teaches us. But, but God's telling us here that he is the good shepherd. That you shouldn't follow these hired hands because they don't, they don't know you like he does. They don't love you like he does. You only have one person who really cares for you. And that's Jesus, your good shepherd. That's why he says this, that he lays down his life for you. He willingly lays down his life for his sheep. That's how much he loves you. It wasn't just a thought. It wasn't just something he spoke about in the Bible but didn't actually go and do. He actually did it. He handed himself over to the people who wanted to kill him and he laid down his life. No one took it from him. Jesus gave himself up. That's why it says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus didn't wait for some random culmination of events to bring about your salvation. He perfectly orchestrated everything to save you. He perfectly orchestrated everything so he could lay down his life to save you. That makes him more than just a good shepherd. That makes him the Good shepherd. So, what do you call it when a wolf attacks the flock and one of the sheep dies? It's a tragedy. But what do you call it when a wolf attacks the flock but instead the shepherd dies? We call that grace, it's not a catastrophe. It's grace. Jesus is the good shepherd because he gives you grace. I told you before that I used to raise sheep on our little hobby farm back in Wisconsin. When I say little, I really do mean little. (laughs) The most sheep we ever had at one time was two sheep. (laughs) One was mine. And one was my sister's. And on the spectrum of what you would call a bad shepherd, a mediocre shepherd, and a good shepherd, I was not a good shepherd. I would go out to feed the sheep, but honestly couldn't tell you which one was mine. 
and which one was my sister's. They looked so much alike. I would be guessing at most if I, if I told you. And I only had two sheep. Imagine if I had more. I'd be in trouble. That's the thing about a shepherd, though. A good shepherd, he knows his flock. He may have a thousand sheep. He may have 10,000 sheep. But he knows his flock. And he knows how to take care of them. He has this relationship with them because he's the caregiver. He knows some of their characteristics. And sheep do have personalities, too. You can know your sheep's personality. But most of all, he knows how to, to maintain the health of his sheep. He knows when to spot when it's injured or when it's sick. He's familiar with them. And the opposite is also true. The other side is also true. The sheep know their shepherd. It's kind of something that we talk about sometimes and we kind of marvel at, that sometimes animals are a little smarter than we give them credit for. And that's definitely true with with sheep, because sheep kind of get a bad rep sometimes. They're considered the, the least intelligent of the animals, right? But they're smart enough to at least know their shepherd. And they can recognize his voice. They know the one who's taking care of them, who gives them food, who gives them water, who protects them from danger and keeps them together. They're, they're familiar with their shepherd. If I didn't know that already, I found that out just a couple weeks ago. Cattle are a lot like sheep in that way. A cattle know who their master is, who their caretaker is. I was out, on the, out at the ranch with Pastor Patterson, and we were loading up a couple of his, his cattle into the trailer, and he had asked me to go along to help. I, I wasn't much of a help, and, and here's why. I, I stood there holding the door to the trailer, and my only job was to just close the door when the cattle went into the trailer. But they, they knew that I was a stranger. They knew that they didn't recognize me. The cattle just stood there, and they stared at me. And they, but they wouldn't come anywhere near the trailer because I was standing right there. And if I made any kind of move, they'd back up. They knew that I was a stranger, that I was a hired hand. And when I went away, when I hid behind the barn, they went right in there because they knew Pastor Patterson. He was the one that, that feeds them, takes care of them. I was the hired hand in that scenario. I didn't know those animals, and they didn't know me. And here's the thing for your life. There's plenty of hired hands out there, and you may find yourself following them sometimes. But those hired hands, they may offer, they may say that they know you. They don't. They don't know you like your good shepherd knows you. Jesus knows everything about you. He, he created you. You were his idea. You weren't anybody else's idea. You definitely weren't your own idea. But Jesus created you. And he loved you and knew you and everything about you even before you were born. A shepherd loves his flock because they're his. Jesus loves you because you're his and you're created to be his. And he wants you to be in the fold with him. 
But, but sometimes we run into problems when, it, when we think about this because we, we run into pain and into suffering and into hard times in our lives. And what does that tend to do to us? It tends to isolate us. We t- tend to feel like we're over here on an island and everybody else is out there. That no one truly knows what I'm going through. That no one truly understands me. And you feel alone. But what does Jesus say? He says, I know my sheep. He's not an inattentive shepherd. He knows everything that you're going through in your life. And even more than that, He understands everything you're going through in your life. Jesus was a human too. It says that He was tempted in every way. In every way. And He he experienced pain unlike any of us have ever experienced pain. Jesus knows and He understands and He wants you to come to Him when you're feeling isolated, when you're feeling alone. That's why He says, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Cast all your anxiety on Me because I care for you. And there's a second half to that too. Jesus says, I know My sheep and My sheep know Me. Jesus hasn't left us alone. He hasn't left us without any answers. He has fully revealed Himself to us in His Word. Every time you open up the Word and you read, you're getting to know your shepherd better. And there's a few things that we need to hear from our shepherd on a regular basis. We need to hear that Jesus loves me. I need to hear that. You need to hear that. And every time you crack open that Bible, you hear that. Your shepherd telling you he loves you. Or your shepherd telling you that he can give you a peace that no hired hand could ever give you. Jesus wants a relationship with his sheep. He wants a relationship with with you. He wants to speak to you in his word. And he wants you to speak to him in prayer. That's, that's the relationship. That's what it means to be in the fold. And this is no small thing. Did you catch when Jesus said this? He said, just as I know the Father, and the Father knows me. He compares that relationship to the relationship that he has with his Father. That's huge. And then he says in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Jews here. Those other sheep are the Gentiles. He has other sheep that he's going to bring into this pen. It's you and and me. We're the Gentiles. We're the ones who have listened to the voice of the Good Shepherd, have been brought into the pen, have received the innumerable blessings of being a part of that flock, that one flock with one shepherd. And it's not a stagnant flock. There's other sheep out there too. Jesus is a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And he wants to increase his flock. And he uses his healthy sheep to do that. He uses you to increase his flock. Because there's other people out there who will listen to the voice of the good shepherd. Your job is that they hear that voice that they hear the voice of Jesus. And you know what? Other people are are watching 
too. They want to see that you love following Jesus. And you can show them that. You can show them that you love following Jesus and you can tell them about their good shepherd. Because there's a difference. When you're driving through the country sometime and you, you can see two different pastures right next to each other, and it's amazing how this happens, how one side is just green and lush and there's healthy animals, and the other side, it's just barren. There's sickly-looking animals, flies buzzing all over the place. What's the difference? The difference is the shepherd. It's the one who you're following. One shepherd is caring, managing, loving, sacrificing for his animals, and the other doesn't care. It's the same when you're out in the world. There's a difference. As you who have been led to these green pastures, who've been brought into the sheep pen, are out living amongst people who don't know these things. People who are following the hired hands of the world. And you get to be the light for them. You get to show them that there is greener grass on the other side. This was made obvious in a story that I was told this one time about this guy named John. John was a, he was a Christian and he was an avid churchgoer. He had a wife and two kids. He, he taught his kids about Jesus. He, him and his wife had a very strong connection together um, with Jesus, a very good devotional life together. And it was obvious. He wasn't the biggest evangelist in the world. He wasn't going to be the one out there knocking on, on doors. But he lived like a Christian, and he, he had the hope of heaven, and he showed it. He was a construction worker, and he got to know several of the guys on his crew, and they got to know him pretty well too. And they were walking back from a job to one of, one of their cars to, to go home. And this guy came up to John, and he said, John, I've, I've known you for a little while now. I, I've been watching you, and there's something different about you. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there, there's just something different about you, and I want whatever it is that you have, so just tell me what it is that you have. John's sitting there like, could I have a bigger softball lobbed in front of me? John said, why don't you come to church with me, and you'll see. And he did. That guy knew, just from the way that John was, and how he lived his life, that he knew the green pastures of Jesus, his good shepherd. Make that your goal, too, to show everyone Jesus, the good shepherd. Amen.